like to give everybody out there listening a very warm White Cat welcome because you're tuned in to the White Cat Outdoors podcast. Okay, you guys, welcome to the very first ever episode of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. And we just want to thank all you guys that are tuning in, obviously, for the very first time. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, we don't know how you heard about us. Uh, you can look us up on Instagram at White Cat Outdoors. Luke's going to have our YouTube channel up at White Cat Outdoors also. We're going to have the Facebook up also at White Cat Outdoors. And before we get into our content today, uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about Nick's got a good story for us this morning. Me and Tom just been laying down deer left and right. Tom has killed th- four deer now? Four deer in two different states in New York and PA. I have killed two deer in New York and PA, and Nick hasn't killed anything yet this year, and just this morning, he finally wanted to get in on the action. So, Nick, why don't you tell us about what you had going on this morning? How's it going, guys? Uh, as Frank said, I'm Nick, and uh, yeah, I uh, got my first deer of the season. It's been a slow season this year. Um, I decided to take out uh, my favorite weapon of choice. Just kidding. It's a uh, GMC Sierra uh, on our way to do our first podcast <laughs> ever. And I had a deer jump out of the weeds and hit my truck. Couldn't do anything about it. Um, we took care of it, called the state police. Um, but yeah, un- unfortunate way to happen. But uh, I did get my first deer, if you'll call it that. And you gave um, us a good story. Yeah, yeah. and I'll, uh, I'd like to add... Uh, I was sleeping in the in the back seat of the truck, so that was uh, how I woke up this morning. So he just wanted to make sure you were awake for the podcast. Yeah, he didn't want uh, you all drowsy when you if, got here. If I lack that uh, energy quality, uh, we we can thank Nick for that this morning. Thank you. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we're a little bit delayed, but uh, we're no difference we're no difference to you guys. But uh, yeah, so that was how my hunting season's gone so far. Uh, it's not over yet, but. Um, I did get my deer in 2020, so or 2019. <laughs> my bad. There you go. But uh, so like I said, I'm Nick. Uh, we'll go around the table here and just kind of introduce ourselves. Um, I'm one of the co-hosts. Uh, I'll pass it around clockwise here and go about who we are. Uh, Luke Soboleski here. Uh, I'm just uh, going to be a frequent guest on the podcast here. I'm uh, one of the co-owners with the guys here, but. Uh, I'm more uh, geared towards the fishing side of things. Um, like Frank mentioned earlier, uh, we're going to get a YouTube channel started up. Uh, I'll be mainly in charge of that, filming some fishing trips and go out on some hunts with the uh, other guys here and film them and just kind of get things started. What's going on, guys? You saw, you met me in the intro. Uh, my name is Frank Myers, but everyone calls me white. You'll learn more about that later on. Um, I, me and Tom are both kind of more well-rounded, if you will, uh, with fishing, hunting, and trapping. Uh, Still not as deep into the fishing as Luke is. I I do a lot of fishing, mostly hard water fishing. I don't do a whole lot of open water fishing anymore. I don't really have a whole lot of time for it. But what he's trying to say is that he's not as good as I am at fishing. I don't know if we're saying that, but we can throw it down whenever you want. We'll talk about it. We'll, uh, we'll have to host a White Cat Outdoors fishing tournament sometime. Check YouTube for that. Stay tuned. It's, it might be a little bit, but we'll get there. Uh, so I am all about archery is my big thing. I'm also a guide up in Alaska, so hunting is definitely my forte over fishing. 
and obviously love trapping anything that'll get me outside any time of year you know whether it's summer winter fall i'm always outside doing something whether it's hunting or trapping or fishing so tommy why don't you why don't you give us a rundown on you who is tom hey guys um i'm tom soboleski and uh big time deer hunter archery is definitely my bread and butter but anything to get me out there if i got a muzzleloader rifle anything it's all great um not only am i hunter um trapping raccoons beavers i got that down pretty well when it comes to fox and coyotes i love doing it but i'm striking out still. still still trying to figure that one out i don't have a professional mentor like frank does um He's i'm kind of winging it trying to figure it out on my own but uh i had a couple traps get set off just haven't totally sealed the deal yet I do a little bit of fishing. Most of my fishing's in streams for steelhead. Um, I do a lot of hard water fishing. Um, my grandpa, he's a pretty big walleye fisherman, so we go out on this boat pretty frequently throughout the summer and troll walleye on Lake Erie. So, As you'll find out about uh, our YouTube channel, we uh, recently acquired a uh, 20-foot boat for uh, the big water that the White Cat team will be using, so uh, you'll have to stay tuned for those videos. <laughs> And then uh, last but not least, I'm Nick. Like you said, I've hit my first deer for the year. Uh, I'm also one of the co-hosts with uh, Frank and Tom. So why don't uh, let's get kicked off with Frank and Tom. They're going to tell us how White Cat Outdoors got started. It's a really good story, actually. So I really think you guys are going to like it. This, it was 2015, uh, and it was in the middle of archery season, I think. It might have been just the beginning of archery. Pre-rut, we'll call it. We'll call it pre-rut. So Tom and I uh, were out in the barn, you know, getting ready to go out for the evening hunt, and we're going right back behind Tom's house. We're going to sit in the ground blind right on the edge of Tom's food plot. And we're about to walk out back, and Tom's like, you know what, let's let's get a quick video here. And, you know, Tom, I'm sure you could figure out where that the cat comes from, Tommy the cat, just a clever little thing. And my nickname, my whole life has always been Whitey, so that's where we got the white for White Cat. So that's where the name comes from in White Cat. It's just a combination of Whitey and Tommy the Cat. So, thanks Tom. for the clarification, T. We appreciate just so everyone that. knows. Yeah, everybody's. I think everyone was lagging behind that, that, that for a minute. Very confusing. <laughs> I'm glad you brought us up to speed. Just wanted to clear the air, guys. <laughs> so. We're about to walk out, and Tom's like, you know, let's take a quick video. Let's really get this white cat thing going. So I pull my phone out, you know, my first ever smartphone, and take a quick video of Tom saying... High-quality pictures and videos out of this thing, guys. Yeah, it was real high quality. I don't think we have the video anymore. I was just, I was just about these yeah. videos exist somewhere because that will also be leaked. Uh, I'll do my best to find it. I don't know if we can, but we'll work on that. If we can't, we'll uh, we'll reenact it. We I could definitely do, we a, could reenactment. do a reenactment. Tom, you in for a reenactment? Absolutely. And I actually do remember the date now because I remember you saying the video. It was October sixteenth, and you started by saying it's October fifteenth, sixteenth, <laughs> and you looked like an idiot. But it was a great video. So he's like saying, you know, this is me and Frank from White Cat Outdoors. This is literally the first time we had ever said White Cat Outdoors out loud. So we walk out back and go sit down on the ground blind and don't have anything going on first thing as soon as we get out there. So we're just sitting there talking, you know, quietly, obviously, and just waiting for something to happen. And Tom decides, you know, let's, let's get the phone back out and take another quick video. And so, Tom, why, why don't you take over here, T? 
I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret here. If you want to attract big deer, you got to sound like big deer. So this little trick I had Frank record, I reached into my bag and pulled out a bag of acorns. Now what you're going to want to do, and what I did, to call this big buck in. Which he did call this big buck in. He, he came in not five minutes after. You're going to want to take a couple acorns, put them in your mouth, and crunch on them. And mimic like a big dominant buck eating acorns you really got to focus on that big buck energy because you don't want to be a little buck chewing on acorns so and then you're gonna want it's gonna taste really bad acorns are terrible <laughs> i don't know why deer eat them but they're about as bitter as you could possibly you, imagine did you get the white oaks or did you were you chewing on red oak because that's a it's a huge difference deer definitely like the whites were you chewing on reds you know nick i've chewed both acorns and <laughs> neither of them no, neither? No, neither. Neither good. The only experience I've had with acorns is making those little whistles out of them. I can never figure that trick out, though. <laughs> that is a good trick. My dad does it, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, actually, I learned that this acorn trick from my dad as well. But Great you're not going to be able to. Several <laughs> generations of acorn chewers in the Sobolewski family. We just we'll get the OG down. acorn chewer on, on the podcast here in the future for sure. <laughs> you're not going to be able to stomach these things. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to spit them out your window. And, if you're uh, in a blind. Yeah, or spit them at the bottom of your ladder because then that's going to get the smell of eating acorns out there. And some buck's going to smell it and say, hey, what's going on? Why is this other buck eating my acorns? And he's going to come right in. And not five minutes after this video, out comes this. I mean, in Pennsylvania, he was a nice, respectable buck, probably a 16-inch wide, eight-point. Yeah, a nice 115-inch deer-ish, when somewhere in there. I heard this story a couple years ago, it was uh, – it was a four point about 12 inches See, wide. now you're just making stuff I, up I, I i hear this story about about once every couple months and i bet i bet by the end of this podcast we'll recap on it and it'll be it's a 170 it's it'll a, be a real boon and crockett deer comes into the acorn chew <laughs> <laughs> but anyways this buck he hangs out about 60 yards i just i couldn't quite convince him to come all the way in. Once they're in, the acorn chewing does not close the gap. You gotta, you gotta find another way to get them to close the gap. Haven't Maybe found a, it yet. A doe bleed or something. I don't know. We did not get him. We didn't figure commit. it out. He, he came out. He checked things out, and uh, he went back into the woods without coming into bow range. So. You ever thought about maybe eating an apple that might taste a little better instead of an acorn? See, it's a totally different sound. You, I've you don't done get that, the same effect. And let me tell you, my success rate with that trick is about ten percent. My success rate with the acorn trick is about 95%. How many times have you chewed acorns? That detail's not important. <laughs> you can't break it out that often because... Then know, they'll get used to they'll it. They'll get used to we'll it. It's, the they it's hear like, grunts and bleats all day long. They hear that crap and they're like, mm, I'm not Luke, it's kind of like using the same lure too much. I mean, you're not much of a hunter, but... For fishing, you can't just use the same lure over and over. It's oh, the same deal. Always, always. If you're not catching anything, it's it's definitely the lure. Change it up, and <laughs> guaranteed you'll start getting on fish. These are the facts. This is this is a last resort trick. That if you really want to get a deer and you've tried everything else, including your truck, <laughs> not everyone does that. Grab your bag of acorns and start munching on them. And I tell you what, get your bow in your hand because they're, they'll they're be putty be in your hand. That's no joke. So when you do start chewing acorns, just make sure that you got that tip from the White Cat Outdoors crew um, and give them credit because it's, that's where it started. If you hashtag chewing acorns on Instagram, we'll definitely post that crap. Well, what, uh, what's your guys' uh, next hunting trip? You guys plan on going out west anywhere? Or? A little west. Uh, me and Frank are heading 
to uh, Ohio. And actually, Tom's just now talking, possibly meeting up with us because we're probably going to be up northeast Ohio by the end. So he may um, hunt with us and then drive separate, and so he can head back. See, I'm still a college student at Edinburgh University. I'm criminal justice major. I got one semester left, and then I'm then I'm graduating. But their hunt. So Tom just refuses to make time for hunting. He he thinks school is more important for some ridiculous reason. I wouldn't say it's more important. I definitely plan my school schedule around archery season, but uh, their hunt ends January 13th, which is the same day I got to go back to school. And they got this thing where if you don't show up on the first day, they drop you from the class. So it's kind of important to be there, but I guess I got to be there on the first day. Where I was getting with this is, are you and uh, Frank going to make sure that uh, you bring a bag of acorns along with you so you have a successful hunt? Oh, for sure. You can't yeah. not bring a bag of acorns. Even if you don't use it, like we said, you can't break it out all the time. If the situation calls, I'm then gonna, you better have your it's acorns a, It's a tree ready. stand snack. I mean, I'm going to have to explore some options because sometimes out on the water when the bite's slow, I don't really have any... Uh, for just sure, kill tricks out there. I try mean, chewing I, some catfish bait. Um, I have a for sure trick I mean, that'll, that'll um, get I've, them in there. I, I try peeing in the water every once in a while, but uh, I usually just end up getting a little on my jeans and on my boat, and it never really calls <laughs> the fish in, so I need to need to find another trick. I got the trick for you, Luke. What do you got, T? I'll take you back. I, oh, boy. I think I was probably 14 or 15 years old. We were bullhead fishing out at Edinburgh Lake. Slow night, not a lot of action. It was a really slow night. I don't and think we had caught a fish. I decided now is a good time for my first pinch of chew. So I, I put a, I think it was Copenhagen straight. Yes, in it a was, because you got it from me. And um, What year was this, Tom? He already said he was 15. September 08. <laughs> but uh, hmm. I sat down, and I thought everything was hunky-dory. Next thing I know, I stand up, and the whole dock starts spinning. And I lean over, and I Meta- puke right off the side of the dock. Your mind was spinning, correct? No, it I think it like was it, the dock, actually. felt like the dock. The fact that it was a floating would, dock didn't help either. I was on that floating dock as well with my first pinch of chew, and I would say, yes, it was doing a bit of spinning. <laughs> I tell you what, you throw up in that water, and it's, it chums them catfish right up. It does. I, I, I seen him throwing up. I was like, Tommy, what are you doing over there? He just he doesn't pick his head up. He's still leaning over the dock, throws his thumb up, and goes, just chumming, buddy. And wouldn't you know it, that chum brought them bullhead right in. We started just slamming them about 20 minutes after that. Tom's yep. been a Wymanheiser since day one. <laughs> so <laughs> Pulling tricks out of his sleep. White Cat Outdoors does have some unorthodox uh, tactics, but uh, they do work. It's proven. Check, check our Instagram. It's just proven facts. We kill big bucks. We catch monster fish. And we're, we're, we're leaking vital information here. Um, so if, you're, if, if that's you, you want to kill big bucks, you want to catch big fish, tune in. Uh, I'd prefer you get out a yellow notepad and a pencil, and I would start taking notes. Don't even – I'd get a pen because you're not going to want to change any of this. Put it down permanent. <laughs> and no need for an eraser here. Lock it up there, guys, because this is, this is important stuff. So, yeah, that is basically a quick rundown of what we got going on over here. That's how we got started, where the name came from back in 2015. We have since progressed from then. Yes, we uh, are a little bit better quality than we were back in 2015. Uh, we didn't really do a whole lot from 2015 until last year, basically. Yeah, about, uh, probably the beginning from of, what, 2018? Um, White Cat Outdoors was... Kind of just a thought. And yeah. It was something we joked about, but with 
within recent years we've actually started to create a yeah actually pursue something and actually try to get you guys some content out there so you can see what we have going on some things that we do guys we're funny guys and some of us some of us but (laughs) we uh we just need to get the love of the outdoors spread around a little bit more yeah basically we sat down and had a talk and realized that there was maybe a hole uh, when it comes to uh, the hunting and fishing industry um, when you look at fishing a big part of fishing is definitely the ocean which is also one of luke's big topics and for hunting it's all midwest well, even for uh, freshwater fishing it's a lot is focused down south yeah you know, and with, with like with bass fishermen bass fishing tournaments yeah, yeah so that's we're the up biggest here. part of the fishing industry pretty not as far as like selling uh lures and stuff yeah. but yeah but for media bass fishing is like the biggest thing and that's all down south yeah so we're here based out of pennsylvania and uh we've got the most hunters per capita in any other state and then we also hunt new york which is also way up there per it, capita do you know what that means nick yeah <laughs> can, you, can you define per capita yeah after the podcast <laughs> we'll talk about that later uh but they know what i mean but uh so i want to bore you guys with all that and we talk. got we have world-class fishing up here in we just saw that nobody's talking about it, um, so it's time that somebody brings it up and enjoys it with us. So. And PA is definitely, in my opinion, and I know you guys agree, a big-time sleeper state in the last few I, years. Yes, I coined that that name. I don't know if you coined it, but we we'll might ta- have been the first one of us four to say it. Nobody but. else is saying it, though. We're saying things before they're being said. Yeah. This is a sleeper state. For big bucks, because in the last few years— the antler restriction has really been bumping us and up big time in the size of You still bugs. have them old timers that say it's a bunch of hogwash, but really you definitely it's, you can't, it's, you can't it's be- doing great things, honestly, in the state of Pennsylvania. The antler restriction has made the deer um, size and antlers a lot bigger. I yeah, mean, just check the big well, buckle. Well said, Tom. But <laughs> Um, but also, no, he's, yeah, go ahead, Luke. not, not just the hunting industry, but <clears throat> I'd say that it's a sleeper state for what you, you, you you're coughing to... into the mic. Oh, I didn't want to say it, but now everybody knows. Cause you already did it. Mm, my bad. But, uh, I'd say it's a uh, sleeper state for fishing in a, in a lot of ways too. Uh, as Nick said earlier, uh, world-class fishing I've caught, <clears throat> sorry about that. I've caught. 30 plus inch uh, walleyes and uh, over 10 pound steelhead. Yeah, and the walleye fishery in Lake Erie is just insane. Like the last few years, it's just been nuts. The number of fish people are been, catching. There's been days where uh, we go out in the morning and we fish for probably an hour and a half and have four guys limits. But yeah. Last most- summer, my grandpa brought 901 walleye into the cooler. And that's not counting the ones that were right at that 15 inch legal limit mark that they threw back in. He kept 901 walleye. Yeah, that, that's just insane. And, you know, like the same thing coming out of Lake Erie, all the steelhead, everyone knows. I mean, that's a little bit more well-known for this area is the steelhead fishing. You so know. We, we see guys from not just southern state uh, Pittsburgh area, but we see. I've run into people country, from Australia. And, yeah, all over the world travel to, to fish right in Erie, Pennsylvania. And also, um the muskie fishery um, is, no joke. is very de- very decent in uh, Pennsylvania. It's They don't quite have the quantities like you see in uh, Lake of the Woods and uh, St. Clair, Clair yeah. and everything. But for do you, do you even know much about muskie fishing? I mean, or, or do um, you even know to talk on this? Um, 
I, I, I don't think he's ever caught a muskie. I'm in the uh, Husky Muskie Club with a 52-incher. What is I, the Husky Muskie Club? Oh, uh, I'm glad you asked that, Nick, because <laughs> um, I'm the only one in this, uh, in this room here that can proudly say that. Yeah. It's uh, catching a muskie that is over 50 inches long. And I will not, will not spill the beans on where that muskie was caught, but it was in northwest Pennsylvania. Don't worry, I'll tell everybody where it is. For, oh, just to add about uh, muskie, Frank here uh, also has, out of Edinburgh Lake, like you mentioned before, has the largest muskie ever landed on rod and reel hanging in his house. Yeah, I did not catch it, obviously. Of, of course you didn't. Because I'm not in the husky muskie club, as you very diligently pointed out. But I do have the mount. The fish was caught in 1912. so Not, not a replica, the actual fish. Yeah, actual fish. Uh, so that's pretty sweet little... Rep or little trophy that I have in my house to piece of history. There. You said 1912, yeah. Yeah. and it's still the biggest. Yep, still so it, biggest he, caught out of Edinburgh. So, Lake. so my, my, if my math is right, that's over 100 years. You could say that 106, seven. seven? <laughs> wasn't we have wasn't no math mount, majors in the room? Was that mount found in a dumpster? Yeah, uh, my dad's buddy Brad Barron actually, Brad's dad found it in a dumpster. Whoever had it before, you know, the guy that originally caught the fish when he died his family just threw it out they didn't want the fish anymore so he found it in the dumpster and took it to a taxidermist and had it kind of restored a little bit so part of the fish is a little bit replicated because it was all rotten from it's being 100 a, years old yeah so. exactly 107 actually <laughs> get uh, it right to, moron uh you have to pull the phone out for that one nick no <laughs> that's so, why it I took saw, him so I long to get the right number <laughs> you forgot the password <laughs> it's face id now yeah <laughs> And that's another thing uh, we're getting into is technology with the uh, hunting and fishing industry. Talking about Face ID, just with new bows and uh, sights and everything coming out. I got um, some new reels that are coming in the mail and just a bunch of awesome content that we'll, we'll show on the YouTube channel. But I, Speaking of technology and hard water fishing, I tell you what, Markham underwater cameras, they are a game changer. Yeah, so that's another thing we'll definitely be covering here in the podcast is we're going to go over a lot of new content or new new gear that's on the market. Yeah. Uh, we definitely want to be your guys' main source. If you're thinking about getting a new bow, maybe any new fishing equipment, new hunting equipment, trapping, we want to be your guys' main stream to see what it's like. We'll give you honest opinions, uh, exactly what we'll, what we're working with and if we like it Test and if it we'll be using firsthand. it. Yeah. So that's stuff you'll be able to find on our YouTube page. Uh, Speak, Luke's going to be running the YouTube page for the most part. Speaking of technology, if uh, you get a lot of crashing and banging and coughing into my mic and uh, the <laughs> audio's not very good, that's because I'm new to this technology. Uh, I'm not really, really tech savvy in this, in this say, There's department. not really any experts sitting at this table with this. It took us an hour and a half to set up our equipment. And Luke still hasn't time. figured out that if you sit still, you won't hit the mic. If, if you're jumping around, taking care of the fire. and I got what the doctors like hee-haw. to call ADHD, so... I tend to fidget and jump around a little bit. That's why fishing's good for me because I just, if I not catch anything, I move, I walk, I cast, but hunting, I get a little fidgety and the, the deer tend to stay away from me because they can kind of point out where I am. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so I don't know what we want to get into after that. Basically, we've covered uh, who we are, what we've been doing. Uh, does anybody want to lead into what we're plans are i guess i know we talked about some reviews well, and whatnot 
What we're about to do is uh, we can talk just a little bit about the the weather up here. It's starting to cool down. Yeah, we're about and, to get yeah, into hard water. Into, yeah. In a couple of weeks, we definitely plan on releasing a hard water podcast talking about some of our tactics that we go about, some of the places. Not not too specific on I'll, the places. But. I'll, uh, I'll try and uh, get in on that podcast because you probably want to hear some content from the expert over here. I don't know uh, how, mu- how much... Uh, <laughs> Good intel the other guys yeah, can give. We have nothing to offer. Yeah, Luke, why don't you get into a little bit about your tactics for ice fishing and uh, what your plans are for once the water gets hard. Once the water so gets hard, hard. You, you, you always love it getting hard. And uh, that's that's my <laughs> – can't say that with a straight face. But uh, that's, that's my uh, – wouldn't say favorite uh, time of year for fishing, but it's definitely up there. Um, this point right now, it's kind of tough. The water's half frozen, uh, not hard enough to get out on. So I'm starting to get the itch. I can't really get out there and catch fish yet because can't get the boat in the water. The shorelines are frozen. So um, the steelhead run hasn't been very good this year. Go ahead, Tom. And the streams are starting to freeze up. And that boy, that makes it a pain for fly fishing or spin casting. Yeah. It's, yeah. Tricks. Yeah. Uh, I, I sometimes like to float on the icebergs going going down the stream. That's, that's usually that's the funny. safest thing. Yeah, to do. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that. That's for uh, professionals. Season pros. Um, but uh, I got all my gear out. I geez, say they say you can't have too much fishing gear, but I'm starting to not not know if that's true or not. Cause you just I, don't have enough room to put it. That, that's, that, that's where the problem comes in. Yes. It's not the amount of stuff. It's the amount of room that you have to put it. Yeah, because I. As Rod Daniels would say, you know, some people tell him that you can only you only bring the essentials, and he says you can only use what you got, so you bring it all. <laughs> yeah, a lot of truth behind that statement true, right yeah. there. He's that's why he catches deer man. like it's his job. Catches deer. That, that's his company, that's Catching Deers. I love it. I've never heard that. <laughs> I'm going to go hunt some fish now. Um, but anyways, uh, I – I don't have a lot of free time because, as as Tom mentioned before, he's a college student. I'm also a uh, working college student, so uh, I also work. Tom yeah. doesn't actually work. Don't Luke was trying you. to just rub that in my face, but I'm a student foreman on the maintenance crew here at Edinburgh, <laughs> so it's a pretty big deal. Uh, that minimum who, wage is pretty sweet, fifteen who, uh, hours a week. Who made that uh, that student foreman position? That's self-nominated. So is and that voted. is that an official title? I can't put it on a resume, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's in it's there in heart. My supervisor does refer to me as the student foreman, so very nice. That is there. But <laughs> anyways, back to the hard water fishing. Um, I'm very busy, so a lot of my uh, fishing is just kind of sprung upon, and I don't really plan it out. So I tend to do a lot of fishing by myself. Um, if you are ice fishing, though make sure that you're either going out with somebody or that that ice you're on is safe because not just the thickness of the ice, um, it's slippery, ice can shift, you can walk out on the ice and when you go to walk back, the shoreline's 10 feet away, so. Can step in somebody else's ice hole. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. always a problem. You gotta keep out of others, other people's ice holes. Nick, Nick really <laughs> likes to get into other people's ice. So I don't think I've gone fishing uh, on the hard water one time with Nick where he hasn't found a hole to stick his boot through and I don't I don't know how uh if you look at an ice hole your boot is way bigger than the hole ice holes are pretty small but sometimes uh 
Depends on what, who's making the ice hole, you know? Everyone's ice hole is a little bit different. Yeah, you, stop, make, you make your ice hole the way should, you want I think want we should it. stop talking about ice holes here. Uh, anyway, I, actually, you know what? That's, that's a, that's a good, good kicker to this, this joke I got. Um, so my old man, uh, he, he once told me uh, a trick on polar we're, we're hunters and fishermen. He, he was telling me a trick about polar bear hunting. And if you ever, you ever want to catch a polar bear... What you're gonna do is you're gonna you're gonna dig oh, a This hole. is somewhere you're gonna want to pull out your notepad. Yes, yes, and as Tom mentioned, grab a pen because you're not gonna want to forget this one. No you're changes. You want to cut a big hole in the ice, all right? And you're gonna take a can of peas. And you're gonna line that hole that you cut with some peas. And when a polar bear uh, walks up to take a pea, you kick him in the ice hole. And uh, <laughs> my dad told me that joke when I was just a little guy and didn't really know what it meant, but. I sure love telling that joke, and it just makes a funny story now that I'm 20 and can actually understand it. I'm glad you laid that on all of our listeners. I'm sure everyone is appreciative that of that. A, that, that is a joke classic is gonna be joke. heard worldwide, hashtag White Cat Outdoors. But anyways, so just be careful when you're out on the ice. At the very but, least, somebody that doesn't ice fish, let them know where you're going to go. I understand you don't yes. want to tell other ice fishers exactly where you're going, but if you are going to fish by yourself, make sure somebody knows where you're at. Yep. That, um, also, another kind of rule of thumb. Um, fishing known areas, don't be the only guy out there. If there's other people out there, um, still make sure that that's not a sure all that the ice is safe, but it's definitely makes you feel a little more comfortable being out there with other guys. That reminds me of, was it two years ago when we went to Canadota? Yeah, it was Nick's 21st birthday. Yeah, that's Oh boy. We, we show up to this lake and we weren't sure if the ice was safe yet. You know, we were waiting, me and Nick got out there first and we were going to let everyone else know to come out we were just going to fish all day for nick's birthday and so we get out to canada and we're waiting to call the other guys to tell them if it's safe or not and we get out there and as soon as we pull down to the boat launch there where we walk out onto the water there's a guy out there in the water you know his hut and all of his gear is in this hole you know it didn't sink but for he, people that don't ice fish you're not supposed to be in the water you're supposed to stay up on the ice yes so i'm sorry i didn't i Thank didn't tell you, everyone so now that you guys all know that, um, now that you got, pause, just hit pause, Nick. We're just going to edit this chunk out. No, this is a live podcast. I was just making sure somebody wasn't pulling in. We're recording uh, out of the barn here, and I just thought we heard somebody coming in. We don't want any interruptions. But yeah, Frank was checking the ice. We had just got there, me and him, and uh, you can take him it in back I. from there. Go ahead. So, yeah, we see this guy. So there I it, was. So there I was. See, see the guy, he's standing right there. Get this. So this guy's in the water, and me and Nick, obviously we want to help the guy. So we start slowly trying to make our way to the guy, and then he gets up out of the water, and he's up on top of the ice, and he comes in well, to— We used a rope to get him. He didn't get himself out. Remember no, we the first time he got out oh, was by it, himself. Yeah, sorry. That, did you, spoiler did alert. You he didn't go time. in only Just, once. Th- see, we're telling a story here, Luke. <laughs> spoiler alert. He, didn't, he went back in. <laughs> So he comes out and he's standing there and we're like, well, what do you want to do here? Because all of his gear, you know, he had a Markham underwater camera. Great tool. Gas-powered auger. Gas-powered auger. Really nice heaters, all, all of his rods. His, I prefer the uh, Vexlars myself. Side note, Tom. I'm, I'm a more of a Vexlar guy. My favorite thing is the Panoptics. We'll talk about that in a minute. Well, Frank, we'll go That's going to be a whole other podcast, here, and, uh, I think. You bring your whatever you want to call it. I'll bring my Markham and we'll, we'll see, we'll talk see who comes it. out on top. Okay, so... We're talking to the guy, you know, about what he wants to do with, you know, about getting his stuff back. And he's like, well, let's go see what we can do about this. So we 
he's like, you mind helping me? So me and Nick are holding on to, we put together some chains and uh, straps. It was a toe strap. strap. It was two toe straps I had in my truck or my car, and we tied them together, and that was our uh, safety line. Yeah, So and he was trying to get me. Also, um, another safety note. Um, if you do see someone that fell through and everything, you can do your best you can to help, but also remember that your life is valuable and don't put yourself in danger. There's professionals and techniques and everything to help others out, and you're not going to be any help if you get too close and break through also. Yeah, so, this guy has never – I've never seen somebody so willing to put somebody else's life at risk. Yeah, this guy was nuts. So he's trying to talk me into – going into the water to get his stuff i'm like is he standing on shore with you yeah no, we're, we're yeah this was after he got out the first time yeah, he's we, trying to he wasn't fishing very far offshore so we were basically on shore with a safety line going out gotcha and so he's like trying to before we even walk back out there he's like well since you're the smallest why don't you walk out there and see how close you can get to my stuff i was like no i'm not gonna get wet and fall in you know and possibly drown to get your stuff back i was like i will do everything i can to help you that is not going to put myself in danger he's like all right well let's see what we can do so me and nick are holding this strap in case the guy falls in and he starts inching his way out there and he is just he turned straight around to us and is just reefing on this thing pulling we're maxed on the safety line and he is about probably 20 feet from his hut still and we're holding there, and he just starts yanking Frank out on the ice. And yeah, it was, and I mean, there was, we checked with uh, augers. There was probably a good six, eight inches towards shore. It was basically right where you drop off is where the ice just got super thin. There's like a current or something coming through current, there. Current, water depth, hot springs. Yeah. There's vegetation. Uh, vegetation. Yeah. There's and there is a lot of vegetation right there. Tons of stuff that can affect. So also just. He was almost on the if, brush pile, actually, now that I think about it. Five, six inches. Um, always be careful. Keep, uh, keep checking the. The thickness because 20 yards from me you could be sitting on two inches so mm-hmm. just always always be aware out there yeah so this guy's y- trying to yank me out. i just dropped the strap i was like dude if you're gonna try to pull me out there i'm not helping you like i'm not putting myself at risk and finally he's like oh okay whatever fine and you know we helped the guy as much as we could he did end up getting his stuff back and Needless to say, we did not fish there that day. <laughs> Are you talking about a different time? Because I specifically remember that guy's hut and his auger going to the bottom of the lake. No, he didn't. He, yes, no, he, did. he lost his auger. He didn't lose. Yeah, he never got it out, though. He went home. Remember, his wife came and picked him up because he was literally like had icicles coming off him. Like, Yeah, I, I could have swore he no, got he, his hut. He, well, we I were there, his nothing auger came out. fell out. Yeah, the auger fell out. But yeah, no, he never got anything out of that I ice. I could have swore he got it. Well, I guess I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah, so that uh, go yeah, ahead, Luke. So uh, that was a nice little story, you guys. Yeah, a nice there. little sidetrack. Uh, I I don't personally have uh, any stories like that. I uh, can't really find any wood around here to to knock on, but uh, I have never gone through the ice. Um, kind of a smaller guy, but um, I'm also very very cautious when I go out there. Um, I don't. It's not not worth going out on sketchy ice to catch a couple fish. Just wait a couple more days or weeks and that ice will be safe and uh you can get out there but uh i i tend to uh fish light i know a lot of guys uh like to pull their uh their heavy ice huts and the seats and the foldovers and uh i actually like to use either a pop-up or not even use a hut because i like to move around as i said earlier i Got some ADHD in me, so like to do a little hole hopping. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. As like Tom to... would say, turn that lake into Swiss cheese. Yes, that is Swiss what I do. Swiss cheese, 
I drill holes and uh, just keep keep hopping around. So uh, my main targets are uh, perch and crappie. Um, I do actually uh, want to try and catch a muskie this year through the ice. I've never Frank, done you know anything that. about that? I could probably that. tell you how to do that. Catch a muskie through the ice? Yep. How big was that muskie, Tom? Well, I've never I've caught a northern pike through the ice. A little right? bit different, Tom. So, um, if you what, can catch a northern pike, you can catch anything they say yeah because yeah they, they say that uh northern pike are one of the hardest. least aggressive fish they actually don't say that northern pike are if you find them they're about as easy to catch as a largemouth bass they're hit anything that's shiny and moving so anyways i i would like to hear your uh, your tips <laughs> later tom on how to catch muskie through the ice but um i know a couple spots where uh where muskie like to lurk around um i've seen them on camera I've definitely seen them on. Uh, I guess sonars. you could say they could musk lounge around in that area. <laughs> Solid pun, Nick. <laughs> that was. Uh, Thank you for that. That was good. Haven't laughed like that since I was a little girl. Frank was a little girl. Kind of, kind of speechless. I don't know what to to say about that. <laughs> We're just gonna have to move, pretend it never happened and move on. Yeah, the musk lounge is lurking underneath the ice, and you found a place. You said you were gonna give the exact location. Of where you were fishing for this? I don't the believe The coordinates, that's, please? That's exactly what I said. Uh, I think you're skewing my words here a little bit. But um, I've, I've had uh, takes that uh, it's either been pike or musky, but I've never uh, surfaced one. Um, but another thing, I'm uh, very uh, conscientious about uh, musky fishing. I, uh, I donate um, to... Uh, some foundations that help support muskie. They're, in my opinion, one of the coolest freshwater fish out there. And um, in past years, their numbers have really gone down. And but the efforts through these foundations have. What are some of those foundations that you donate to? So he doesn't know them offhand. We'll put them in the show notes. Uh, just so everybody knows. I mean, cause I mean, if you're passionate about fishing, it's really good to donate to that kind of stuff. It's same as like the antler restrictions and CWD for whitetail. It helps to donate, uh, to those foundations because they, they really do do a lot for, I just said do do. <laughs> I'm a child. That's always funny. <laughs> I don't care how old you are. That is always funny. But yeah. So if you can, uh, please donate to those kind of foundations. We'll, like I said, we can put some of them in the show notes. Even if uh, you don't donate to them, just, be conscious about what you're doing. Like with you said with CWD, like with transporting deer and stuff and just paying attention to that or like with and, musky fishing, with musky, just be an ethical musky catch fisherman. Catch and release on the, I, on the large ones too. I'm a, I'm an avid musky fisherman. And, uh, I, so I know, um, you, you, you gotta keep them in the water. They're big fish. They fight, they tire themselves out trying to get off. So you really got to take so, care of them once yep, you have a you hold can't of beat them. them up. Um, I know they're scary fish. You got to watch out for their teeth and everything, but, don't be picking the muskie up and dropping it on rocks and everything. You're going to knock it out. And um, it's just those big muskie that you catch, those are the breeders which produce the little ones for us to. About catch how old are they when they get to that 50 inch mark? About 4,000 years old ish. Okay, so like accurately. Uh, <laughs> accurately, um, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure um, muskie are one of the older fish and they can live over like 30, 40 years. So that muskie that I caught's probably been swimming around for about 30 years. Well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, don't don't quote me on that, but we can we can check. Don't write that one down with pen. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, that's what, that's that's that what that the pencil's for. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. But um, so 
just just be conscious and even if uh you're not a huge huge fan of muskie or if they if they irritate you by taking gear or whatever just be conscious that they're in the water for a reason population control every fish out there's got a purpose so just don't don't neglect them just because you don't like them but that's just that's just my take on it because i'm very passionate about the musky fishing yeah for sure well we're still on the ice fishing um you want to go into a little bit about your the canada and ice fishing up there kind of our experience with that so uh yeah we uh we took a trip last year and hope to take another one this year uh up to canada and uh we had everything planned out we were gonna hit a smaller lake and try and catch some walleye and uh the weekend that we planned on going up we got a pretty good warm-up yeah it uh got a heat spike and uh it's like Excited. a quick thank you to the Blue Ice Report. Uh, they kept us up to date while we were out of town. Uh, go, if you're looking to fish up in Canada, look up the Blue Ice Report. There's a group of guys that give an ice report once a week, um, what they're doing. So we were able to follow along up until that and, point. Yeah, and called some uh, local uh, bait stores around, and they said that uh, ice varied um, because of the heat wave. Ice doesn't melt uniformly. There can be spots that still have six, eight inches, and Get closer to your mic, oh. please. Um, sorry. Technology, remember. Sorry, bear with me. A little slow. Um, but the uh, the ice doesn't melt in uniform. So even though you walk out, like I said earlier, you could be sitting on six inches and 20 yards from you, there could only be three. So we called, and it wasn't worth the drive for us to go get up there and fish on some sketchy ice or figure out that we can't fish. So we took a little detour, and what was that lake called that we did end up fishing? We ended up fishing Lake Kuchiching the first day, and then we fished Simcoe the second day. And Kuchiching is just like the very tip of Simcoe. They kind of, there's just the very tip. Just the very tip. Not you the understand? Whole thing. Uh, it Kuchiching goes into Simcoe, and Simcoe's huge. I mean, Kuchiching big lake trout. You can actually rent cabins way out there. You can yeah. Yeah. like stay out on the ice for a weekend with like cabins and wood stoves and stuff. Which actually, we looked into possibly doing that because that would be. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty. That'd sweet. be a cool little vlog for the YouTube. But anyways, mm. we uh, we didn't really know See what if to Steve expect. YouTube would allow it. None of us uh, <laughs> really had experience fishing those waters. We uh, we didn't do a whole lot of research. It was kind of a quick planning, and like I said, we had to uh, change course after we heard that our first location wasn't uh, able to be fished. Well, and actually, so, it's a good thing we didn't. Oh, uh, I forgot. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's a good thing we didn't go there because I know we we're couple of us weren't like totally confident that we couldn't fish there they were like you know we probably could fish and while we were up at Kuchiching, found out that there was a black i think it was a like an f-150 that actually went through the ice where we, like right where we were supposed to be going in someone tried driving out so yeah. we went from it's not even safe to walk on to some guy trying to take a pickup truck out there <laughs> and he went right through which can get very expensive we found out i talked to one of the locals yeah. and it's like several hundred dollars a day that it stays in the water that you get fined yeah yeah so it's because, I mean, obviously, like, you're oil and gas, and you're just dumping it into the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it gets really expensive. So it was a really good idea that we moved. And where we were at had a ton of ice. Oh, yeah. We, well, we, we had over two I, feet uh, of ice. Not only was there a ton of ice, but there was a ton of fish, too. I'll, I'll, I'll get into that, that. That is a I fact. Actually, uh, I was nervous that the ice auger that I brought uh, wasn't even going to cut through the ice because there's probably, what, a, a three-inch auger or a three-foot auger? On I think you have inches. a 30-inch flight. Hole. Yeah, so, yeah, 30-inch. So uh, we were going down, and we were probably sitting on about 26 inches of ice. 
So there were trucks driving past us and snowmobiles and side-by-sides. And if you check out our Instagram at White Cat Outdoors, there's there's pictures of it. And Tom has the official beer sitting in a, in a little homemade cooler out on the ice. But uh, <laughs> Genesee, baby. So <laughs> good old Jenny beer. Um, like I said, we weren't really too familiar with the area. So we were kind of just going for it and talked to some locals and figured out where some fish were and uh actually since i was uh kind of the most experienced fisher on the trip they kind of told me like well where do you think looks good and i'm kind of looking at the lake and i just see a lot of white there's you can't really tell any vegetation so um i kind of went off some buoys and some uh, uh markers they had and some uh peninsulas that came out and uh drilled a couple holes and immediately just started hammering perch and uh we had how many guys out there six yeah, i think there were six of us out six there. of yeah, us six. out there fishing and uh honestly we probably caught caught over 500 fish that weekend um we we kept about five um, no i we were probably right around a dozen <laughs> that we yeah. kept yeah there's yeah. a lot of small perch so yeah. uh we we hammered about the four or five inch perch which those ones yeah. taste better anyway the, for the fillets are the perfect size for a sandwich you don't have to cut them up i mean honestly it's probably best <laughs> just that throw way. the whole fish right yeah, on there. some people some people do but uh some say we, uh, better. we Most threw don't. we threw back about 95 percent I mean, that's a lot of math uh threw about 95 not a math major uh of our fish back and like tom said we kept about a dozen so everybody got a little little taste of canadian perch but pretty much everybody got one perch sandwich yeah. Out of the whole weekend deal. It was worth it. it. Oh, it was worth it. It was cold, too. It was probably about 7 degrees while we were out there. Mm-hmm. So make sure you bring your uh, your little heater in the hut because <laughs> you get cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we definitely plan on getting back up to Canada again this year. And that'll be another podcast topic that we run through here in a few, whenever we do it, probably a few weeks or a month or so, um, whenever we end up getting up there. And... So what do you say we move on from ice fishing and talk a little bit about what we got coming up here? Not really with Ohio. We kind of talked about Ohio, but uh, we got muzzleloader season coming up in a couple days here. So yeah, two days. Well, yeah. I mean, it'll actually it already started by the time you guys hear this. But, yeah, that's uh, true. We're recording this actually Christmas Eve. Got to do it for the grind. Get this out for you guys. So <laughs> working but, on Christmas Eve for you people. Yeah, it's a seven you days people. a week. What do you mean you people, Frank? I don't mean you people. You people. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, why don't you uh, just give a little rundown as what we're – Tom, you've been quiet a little while. Give us a little rundown about getting into muzzleloader season here. And I got my old Thompson Center 50 cal flintlock shooting lead balls. It's – Lay them down at 1,000 yards, will you? Yeah, no. Um, From I'm, the hip. I'm pretty good up to about 50 yards. Believe it or not, those round balls aren't extremely aerodynamic. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, I'm comfortable out to 50 yards. And my dad just purchased this new farm, actually where we're doing our podcast now. And I ran a dozen coyote traps out there a couple days ago. And you couldn't take 10 steps without crossing a set of deer tracks. They were everywhere. Speaking of coyote traps, Tom, uh, when you checked them, how, how many coyotes did you get? Well, we he haven't checked, checked them this morning. I haven't checked them this morning. Uh, That's yeah. after the this podcast. This is actually an early morning podcast where, I mean, we got here... We didn't by, even get to have seven. any beers for this. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't exactly. But but to answer your question, on the two previous days, they have been empty. But let me tell you a little something about coyote trapping real quick. 
They are one of the most smart, elusive critters out there that you can trap, along with foxes. And fox in, I'm not quite sure the plural. It would be fox. Fox, fox eye? eye? No, it's yeah. fox. I think Luke's Just got it. Fox Foxy. eye. Foxy. Fox in. Anyway, <laughs> fox and coyote are extremely difficult to trap. And I've actually, on a couple of my sets, I've had dog tracks coming up, you know, five, six feet away from my set just checking it out but anyone will tell you when you set fox or coyote traps the biggest thing is patience so you can have a trap out there for two or three weeks before a fox or a coyote will finally feel comfortable enough to really go investigate it and hopefully put their foot on your pan anyway enough of that back to the muzzleloader hunting so i'm really excited to hunt here because the amount of deer tracks is unlike anything i've ever seen before so you're saying that this muzzleloader season will 100 percent produce some deer for you this muzzleloader season it'll produce opportunities yes definitely produce the opportunity if i don't at least see a deer out there i he'll eat his hat I, you heard it here folks he will eat his hat and, if he uh, does not kill a deer muzzleloader i didn't I'll, I'll make sure that i get that on video and post it to our uh, youtube channel you can't back out now it's what i didn't the viewers want. tom said he'd eat his hat i didn't say that but <laughs> i'm sure that you guys had that written down in pen somewhere well, hopefully it was in pencil so you can erase it. You told me to get rid of the pencil. Anyway, I'm super excited to hunt here. There's a lot of deer sign, a lot of hopefully bucks that made it through. Keep going. The Orange Brigade of the Pennsylvania rifle season. So Honestly, talking about that, I, I think a lot of big bucks were killed this year, but I didn't talk to a ton of people that were killing deer. I think the kill was down in our area anyway, but the quality of deer was definitely a lot higher. So Which, there should still be plenty of deer running around up here. Which I think that has a lot to do with the antler restriction as well. The uh, yeah, absolutely. Qual- I mean, when I first started hunting, when I'm 22, 12 years ago, when I was 10 when I first started. Yeah, with the mentor program. You never heard in Pennsylvania. of, in Pennsylvania anyway, people shooting 140-inch deer. Mm-hmm. Now it was you know, talk of the county. If you heard of 140 even a few years ago when I shot my Pope and Young buck, like everyone knew about that buck that I killed. Like it yeah. was, my, it was a big subject. My buddy that lives uh, about half an hour away uh, came up and showed me a picture of this this buck and was like, "Dude, you see this buck that was shot uh, in Northwest PA?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's." Uh, that's my foot in the background there. That was, that's my cousin's picture. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, that just gives that. you an idea of how far no, a buck like that ranged. Ten years now, every year several people I personally know are shooting 140 inches. Just this are year, you, I had my hands on three deer over 150 that people know, I know killed. Um, have you personally got any of these deer, Tom? Personally, no, I have not gotten a hundred. Tom's not one to brag about himself. He just likes to talk about others. Yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a it's, it's a, a good very quality. noble noble thing of you to do, Tom. We appreciate you. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess we'll just do a real quick recap about what we got going on with White Cat. I want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, on our first podcast and Maybe joining we us. Tell them what to look forward to. What we got coming for them. Yeah, that's what I was getting into here. Why don't you just stop and interrupt? Can I finish one damn story? <laughs> one story, please. Please, Nick, tell the listeners what we got coming for them. Nick, what yeah, do we got so, coming for us? Nick, yeah. could you just tell us? Yeah, we're going to get into it. Uh, go so, what we got going for you, uh, like I said, I was in the middle of thanking you guys for listening in, um, joining us on this little journey. The idea with White Cat Outdoors now, uh, we've legitimized the business or are in the process of that. 
Um, and we're going to be releasing, releasing weekly podcasts. Every week we're going to be covering a different topic that corresponds with the season that we're podcasting in. So it's going to be, we're not going to be talking about turkey hunting during bow season. We're going to be talking about deer hunting while we're deer hunting, trapping while we're trapping, hard water while we're fishing the ice. And Luke's going to be covering fishing uh, throughout the entire time because that's what we want to do. And to go along with that, um, I'm starting up the YouTube channel. I'm still acquiring some gear for some uh, high-quality footage and audio for you guys um, because I want the experience to be um, as close to – as close to the live experience as it can possibly be to give you guys that feel that you're there. Yeah, for um, sure. So, um, like I said, we're still working out some kinks. There's a few bumps in the road. Um, obviously, our first podcast isn't going to be the best one we've ever made, but uh, I hope it's you, the best uh, one so far. Best one, in so my far. opinion. So, uh, <laughs> I think we've made two. So, um, I hope you guys uh, bear with us and. Uh, stick out with us so that uh you can watch us grow and watch our content improve and uh watch away for future giveaways and uh just different opportunities that uh the white cat team has to offer maybe gain a little bit of knowledge from it who knows I, definitely I think you'll definitely gain, gain the knowledge I think they've gained a lot of knowledge already through this first podcast I mean, how could you discount the acorn trick i mean that's already we're giving them solid gold day one you can't just not talk about that yeah but uh we hate to. We've been talking here for about an hour now. Um, we got some coyote trapping to do. That's what's gonna keep us busy. So why don't you guys all make sure you join us and make sure you guys are getting outside. <laughs>